You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 509, The Superboy Chronicles, The Man Who Took the Small Out of Smallville. Welcome to episode 509 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, and today I am, well, swimming lad. It's swimming lad, yes. Oh, it's a good thing I wasn't the one coming up with the superhero names back in the day. Oh, yes. Um, no, we managed to uh, meet up with a, a co-worker of, of Jan's and had a great time at a pool party, but things were running a little long, so... Um, as a result, I uh, knew that I wasn't, I, well, kind of knew they were going to be running along this morning. So uh, we decided to not record uh, as a group tonight because for them to have to wait for me to get back home, and there's just no way. So as a result, um, we uh, we had our little break with uh, Block last week, and uh, there will be, um, oh, oh, the things that are coming up, um, uh, that will be coming up to next week. Are awesome, uh, but in the meantime, um, we'll, we'll take another look at Superboy. Um, so let's uh, let's just cut right to it. Um, you, know, you know, there's no news this week because everything's being saved for uh, uh, San Diego, and that uh, begins on Wednesday the 18th. And uh, so, uh, so there you have it. All right, so New Adventures of Superboy number 29. Uh, this is. Uh, um, a Kurt Schaffenberger cover, um, where you basically have a big statue of Superboy outside the Superboy Museum, and uh, you know people going back and forth within, and a guy kind of tied to Superboy's chest, um, and Superboy says, "If that if I save that man, Smallville dies. My choice is clear." As he zaps him with supervision. <laughs> yes, there you go. And extra Dilate for Hero, the comic you create. We'll get there. All right, uh, so this one, um, he's back again. Huey McKay, salesman, supreme, who boasts he can talk anyone into anything. Uh, and that's what worries Superboy, who finds his very existence as a superhero, threatened by the man who took the small out of Smallville. And you remember Huey McKay. We did that story a little while back. Uh, doesn't feel like that long ago. Um, maybe it was 25? Let's just take a look-see, shall we? Okay, um... Yeah, I'm not going to do that. All right. Uh, just can't get through that long box. Okay, so. Um, we see Hugh McKay pointing to the Superman, uh, the Superboy Museum. I'm, I'm sure it'll tell us what's happening there. Um, because this is back in the days of um, previously, uh, you know, uh, editor's notes. Ah, here we go. Superboy number 21. All right, so, um, yeah, he's saying, come on, come on, to Smallville, home of the most spectacular tourist attraction the world has ever known. Take a deep breath and get ready for the thrill supreme of a lifetime. You are about to enter Superboy Park. And this one is brought to us by writer Carrie Bates, penciler Kurt Schaffenberger, inker Dave Hunt, colorist Jerry Serpy, letterer Tom, Todd Klein, and editor one Julie Schwartz. Uh, this is kind of the dream team of, uh, of Superboy uh, right there. All right. 
Um, so we start off with the story being told in flashback. It says, our sky our skycaper was going off without a hitch, Mr. Trainer. According to the walkie-talkie transmissions we were getting from Doolin and Phelps. You two will never get away with this. Just shut up and open that emergency hatch, pilot. And so you've got a couple of uh, couple of guys in parachute suits uh, uh, holding a gun on the pilot and um, wearing, you know, basically they're robbing the place. And uh, it says, after smuggling themselves on board inside our air freight crates, our boys cop the Walter, Walther uh, stamp collection according to plan. The pilot says, we're passing over Death Valley. You fellows won't last eight hours in that desert heat. Let us worry about that. Oh, wait, wait. Al, this one's for you, brother. Yeah, see? Let us worry about that, Ace. Now step back, see? Um, first, take a drink. And Al, it's always good to be able to give you some ultra dillinger um anyway so he says uh they did their skydiving been on schedule and on target still on the ground base see phelps and i are in free fall pulling rip cords now see we read you doolin yogi bear should be coming into view at three o'clock uh low yogi bear was our code word for the specially rigged plane we had standing by for the midair rendezvous Wee, oui, see now that's what i call a sight for sore eyes see Lots more knives are going to be sore if we botch this aerial pickup, see? Next uh, ses- second, the jubilant voice over the walkie-talkie turned panicky. Yipe, our chutes are burning up, see? We're starting to fall like dead weights, see? Uh, it was the next word over the walkie-talkie that made me cringe to the bone, Mr. Trainer. a word that makes any criminal's blood run cold. Superboy, that blasted vi- uh, heat vision of his fly- fried our rigs. And uh, Superboy grabs a hold of their parachute, uh, the parachute ropes, and they say, uh, what, the, what the blazes is Superboy doing in this end of the country? He hangs out in some town back east. Doing the ground base. We've had it. This skyscraper is a bust. The next words that came over the walkie-talkie almost blasted my eardrums. Superboy speaking. You pilots are accomplices. Land at the next airstrip or I'll force you to the ground myself. He can do it, too. We got no choice. We found out later that Superboy used super ventriloquism to contact a police car passing below, so our boys were cuffed as soon as the plane touched down. Enough, Hockley. I don't want to hear any more disastrous details. Fooling that stamp heist cost my organization millions. True, I could proceed with other crime ventures here in Texas with a minimal chance of accounting Superboy again this year or the next, but the long-range prognosis is grim. Judging from the rapid progress of this super stripling's career to date, it'll be merely be a matter of, t- matter of time before he becomes a major obstacle for enterprising criminals everywhere. Ha, you think Superboy is bad news now, gentlemen? Wait until he matures into a Superman, with all that superpower experience behind him. He will serve as the most potent force for truth and justice on this face of the earth. Yes, gentlemen, that will surely happen, unless, of course, some enterprising mastermind devises a means of squelching this Superboy menace now before he becomes a Superman. Later that day. Now, don't get me that wrong, son. This idea of yours, this here idea of yours has got a lot of poten- loads of potential. But you're not sold on the idea, Colonel. Not just, that is, not just yet. I'm an oil man, son. Always have been. I made my fortune gambling on what's underneath the ground, not by building on top of it. But I have to admit, this project, that spiel of yours, is a mighty tempting proposition. And we pull back and we see basically a, a Colonel Sanders look, looking like guy. And uh, he's sitting at a table with Huey McKay. Um, and they're passing a Superboy, uh, a, a, basically a red envelope emblazoned with a yellow Superboy symbol. And that's how I built my reputation in the agent game, Colonel, by being able to sell anything to anybody. Now, if you'll allow me to continue. Later, Mr. McKay, I'm late for an important business meeting. 
But no, so, sooner is the Texas oil baron left when we see the guy who was uh, talking about squelching Superboy. Um, that sounds wrong. Um, he says, allow me to pay this check. After uh, accidentally overhearing your sales pitch for Project S, Mr. McKay, it's the least I can do. Well, if you insist, Mr. Uh, Trainer, Alex Trainer, I'm a guest here at the hotel. I'm by the strangest coincidence in town looking for a capital investment on behalf of my organization. Ah. From what I heard, I'm convinced Project S is about to become the biggest sensation since Disneyland. Mr. Trainer, this sounds like the beginning of a beautiful partnership. Trainer says, I'm booked on the two o'clock flight to Metropolis. Join me and work out the business details in the air. Oh, uh, I can't do that, says McKay, but I'll take the train and meet you there. I should explain, I suffer from a severe case of pterogophobia, fear of flying. Mm. The last time I was uh, more than 30 feet up in the air, I was stricken with a major coronary and hospital hospitalized for months. Very well, then. We'll both take the train. By this time next year, when Project S is completed, Smallville will be the most famous tourist attraction in the USA. Let's shake on that, Mr. McKay. Several weeks later, a thousand plus miles to the northeast, a construction crew is at work outside the, li the town limits of Smallville. Now, why on earth would some big city construction firm settle on Smallville, of all places, for an amusement park? Did you say amusement park, Alana? That's the rumor my dad heard circulating around town hall. The full story's still hush-hush. Something to do with a big surprise in the works. It's not a fact, says Clark. And they're both riding their bikes. Um, so he uses his supervision to take a look. It says, Great Scott, that's what I call a real surprise, all right? The big giveaway is under that can canvas tarpaulin. Sorry, he's thinking this, of course, because nosy Lana, you know, where'd she go with this? Um, oh, well, it'd be kind of obvious, wouldn't it? Uh, a giant S emblem, that tells the story. Somebody came up with the idea of cashing in on my name by building an amusement park with Superboy theme right there in Smallville. Uh, somebody has one big nerve. Let's get out of here, Lana. I have too much homework to be l wasting time looking at an empty lot. And she says, wait for me, Clark. And then she thinks, what's got him so grumpy all of a sudden? Um, so, um, we go back to 321 Maple Street and uh, Super, uh, Superboy Amusement Park. How could such a, a project be in the works without your permission, Clark? It's exactly what I was asking myself, Ma. And who's behind it all? I can tell you that, says Jonathan as he comes in wearing his hat. I can tell you that. As a company that calls itself Superco Incorporated, I just came from Town Hall where the mayor and town council okayed the project. Superco will soon distribute brochures like this one all, all over town. And uh, on the cover of it, there's, uh, it says, Attention, citizen, now is your chance to invest in Smallville's future. He says, the Super, Goal, the Super Co. representative dazzled the council members with a glowing financial report projecting how much added industry and commerce the Superboy Park would bring into Smallville. Land sakes, Jonathan, don't they realize this sort of exploitation goes against everything our son's image has come to stand for? From what I heard, the Super Co. spokesman did a first-class selling job on the council. I shudder to think what Smallville will be like if the super park goes up as planned. Gone forever will be the quiet, peaceful town Mother and I have loved for so many years. Tourists will be streaming in and out on uh, uh, of town daily by the thousands. Golly, Dad, I have my hands full now just watching over Smallville the way it is. If this park project brings in the kind of crowds you're... I know, son. You'll never have a moment to yourself. And so he starts making his change into his costume. I say, Clark, what are you going to do? Make my I make my first move to stop Project S before it gets off the ground. Good luck, son. I have a feeling you'll need it. Moments later, welcome to our construction site, Superboy. I knew it wouldn't be long before you'd be paying us an official visit. I've heard that fast-talking speech pattern before. 
Huey B. McKay, the man who can sell anything. I should have known. This super park scheme has your handiwork written all over it. I take it you've had a look at our brochure and you're here to invest in Superco, he says. Um, wrong, says Superboy, as he burns the, bro- the little brochure that McKay's holding in his hand. Burns it with his heat vision. Wrong. I'm here to put a stop to your latest brainstorm. I never gave you permission to use my symbol, name, or likeness to promote this park. I won't allow it. Now I have a hot flash for you, sonny boy. Did you ever trademark or copyright yourself? Or your name or your emblem? I checked, and the answer is no. You have no legal grounds whatsoever to hamper our Superboy Park in any way. In fact, I could have you arrested for trespassing right now. Hmm. Wow, yeah. This hits a little close to home, doesn't it? Um... All right, he says, I should have figured, I should have figured, he thinks to himself, I should have figured McKay had all the legal angles worked out ahead of time. Now I know why Pa wished me good luck. He suspected Mr. Super Salesman would have a tricky ace up his sleeve. Do drop in again, Superboy, says McKay. Just seeing you is an inspiration. Well, Huey B. McKay isn't the only sharp thinker in town, Superboy thinks. When the chips are down, I usually manage to pull a few tricks out of my own cape. At the moment, though, I have to admit, he's left me stumped. Late that night, the future site of Superboy Park stands deserted in the glow of midnight, a midnight moon over Smallville. But although there are no witnesses to see it, the still of the night is interrupted by the sound of earth and rock rent asunder. Rumble. The next morning at the Ken House. Boy, Ma, when my super nose gets a whiff of your pancakes, I'm drawn like a magnet to the breakfast table. And he's flying down in his cart clothes to the breakfast table. And, um... And uh, Jonathan says, sit down, son. We want to ask you about a very serious matter. It must be serious. Neither one of you balled me up for flying to the table. I was up late last night reading and noticed you were still out on your patrol, says Jonathan. And um, Martha says, around midnight, Clark, you remember what you were doing? says, you two are acting real mysterious, but sure I remember. Midnight, that was right after I found Mr. Marple's prize heifer wandering across State Route 101. I was taking off from the Marple farm after returning the cow when my super hearing picked up a shout from my my classmate Bash Bashford. He and a girlfriend were stuck in the woods in deep trouble and was getting deeper by the second. And they're sitting there in a jeep and it says, uh, um, and... Uh, Bash just say, this quick sandbog is too wide to dump, jump over, Cindy. And she says, I knew, I told you we shouldn't have taken this shortcut through the woods, Bash. They were so busy panicking, says Superboy, that they didn't even notice I was on the scene until I lifted them out of the bog. Superboy, I never thought I'd be so glad to see you. Next time you're out driving this late, stick to the highway. As After I deposited the jeep onto solid ground, I decided to make sure no other unsuspecting victims would meet the same fate. Quicksand is nothing more than a deep deposit of loose wet sand. If I dive to the bottom of the pit and start working my way upward in circular fashion, the wet sand will rise into the air with me, spinning at super speed velocity along the way, evaporating the quicksand into harmless grains of loose sand. At that rate, it only took a few seconds to empty the sand pit, and I was on my way. Straight back here, into bed, and right to sleep. Now how about tell me what this is all about? Madge Reynolds at the TV station was talking to Mother on the phone this morning about last night's big news, but see for yourself. And and so they turn on the little TV. And seismologists are still baffled by the midnight earthquake, which destroyed a site on the town limits recently purchased by Superco Incorporated. 
As most Smallville citizens are aware, construction had just begun on the multi-million dollar Superboy amusement park approved by the town council only days ago. The public spokesman for Superco, H.B. McKay, had some very definite ideas about last night's setback. And some of my crew heard uh, the same threats I did. Superboy told me to my face he was going to put a stop to our project any way he could. Let's face it, with all his powers, starting up an earthquake under our sight would have been a snap. And we cut back to Clark. Golly, Ma, Pa, you don't actually think. Of course not, says Jonathan. But after McKay's heated accusation on TV and your public disapproval of the super park, it may take more than a pair of teen witnesses to convince the town council you didn't interfere. It's not what concerns me now, Pa, since it's obvious an earthquake so isolated couldn't have been due to natural forces. I'm wondering who or what actually did sabotage the Supergo project and what was the motive? Um, but the answers to Superboy's questions are closer than he thinks, and we go to the Smallville Hotel. That physicist you paid off in Metropolis will be happy to hear how his shake machine <laughs> delivered the goods, Mr. Trainer. Mm, that's a different kind of shake machine. Um... I believe the correct term is a vibro-pulse inducer, Hockley, but as you say, the device did its job just as you did yours, digging it up from beneath the construction site, exactly as I anticipated Superboy is being blamed for the damage done last night, thanks to the outspoken H.P. McKay. You're on the air accusation, did the trick, partner, and we see uh, McKay tied to a tied to a chair. You really paid, played me for a prime sucker trainer, knowing I'd blame Superboy for the sabotage you engineered on your own investment. You never intended to see my super park go up, did you? That much you got right, McKay. Your project's already served its purpose by establishing you and the Cape Kid as adversaries in front of the hometown. Too bad about all those blueprints you had drawn up, because by this time tomorrow, Superboy's name will be box office poison. You wouldn't even be able to pay super people to come to a Superboy park. I don't know what kind of scam you're planning, trainer, but you'll have to kill me before I cooperate. Funny you should put it that way, McKay HB, because that's exactly what I propose to do. Your corpse will serve to bring about Superboy's downfall. Oh, this looks bad. In fact, partner, the murder weapon I've chosen to be the instrument of your execution is on its way to Smallville at this very moment. And we see a, tr a big flatbed truck with stuff tied to its back. It looks like it's the big Superboy statue. And it's about 23 miles out of Smallville. So, that evening in Clark Kent's bedroom. Uh-oh. My signal lamp is blinking on and off. Chief Parker, the president, or Professor Lang is summoning Superboy. I have to finish my trig assignment later. A supervision check, a switch of garb, and scant seconds later. I threw the emergency signal Superboy on Chief Parker's orders. He's out at the Super Park site. There's a crisis out there, and he needs your help. Oh, crisis around Superboy. That's mean. That's just not the word to use. Uh, thanks, Officer Yates. I'm on my way. And he gets there, and uh, there's Chief Parker. He says, phew, I'm glad you showed up, Superboy. What we're up against is too big for me and my men to handle. I take it you recognize the victim? I sure do, Chief Parker. It's Huey B. McKay, strapped to the giant statue that's supposed to welcome visitors to the super park. My powers tell me he's dazed, but unhurt. Just the tip of the iceberg, my boy, says Parker. I received an anonymous phone call warning me, but here, I wrote down what he said. Concealed inside, the Superboy statue is an ultra-powerful bomb encased in a lead-lined compartment powerful enough to wipe Smallville off the map. It's been set to detonate at midnight. Great Krypton, it's 11.55 right now. And Parker says, that's why Smallville's only hope for survival is you. The fiend behind this scheme made sure there would be too little time to evacuate the town. 
But the call left out the most important detail of all, says Superboy. My X-ray vision reveals the fuse for the bomb is Huey McKay himself. The detonator wires are directly hooked up to McKay's heart, probably some sort of sound-regulated fuse in tune with the rhythm of his pulse. I don't dare try to separate McKay from the bomb while we're still in range of Smallville. You better explain it to uh, to, to McKay, uh, says Chief Parker. He's starting to come around. Oh, where am I? As Superboy flies off with the statue. And after the Teen of Steel explains the precarious situation to the Ace Agent, so try to stay calm till I fly us to unpopulated ground. No, Superboy, you don't understand. You must get me out of the air at once. Ah, uh, because he set this up. Fear of flying is bound to bring on another heart attack. Oh, Mr. McKay, what's wrong? Bad doom. Take a drink. Um, we see tra a trainer on the ground. Uh, gentlemen, I'm delighted to report our master plan is an explosive success. There was no way for Superboy to know about McKay's potentially fatal case of pterygophobia. Hence, I rigged the pulse beat detonator so it would trigger the bomb. The precise split second McKay's pulse was st stopped short by his inevitable high-altitude heart attack. One thing, Mr. Trainer, we expected the explosion to blast McKay's dead body to smithereens. But how come we don't see any sign of Superboy? A blast like that wouldn't even make him sneeze. Physically, he's unscathed, Hockley, but you forget, unwittingly or not, he's just caused the demise and disintegration of Huey B. McKay. Anyone who's researched Superboy's exploits as I have are well aware of his sacred oath against taking the life of another. Now that he's fully aware of the grisly death he brought about, Superboy has a lot of thinking to do. Thinking about he'll no how he'll no longer be able to live with himself, let alone the people of Smallville. Everyone in town knows how Superboy was violently opposed to McKay's park project. Even his most, faith most faithful supporters will wonder if perhaps Superboy didn't subconsciously allow Mc McKay to die so the Superpark would die with him. And his many enemies will only be too happy to accuse him of out-and-out -out murder. Congratulations, Mr. Uh, Trainer, comes a says a voice. You sure have the angles fig uh, figured. Every angle except one, he says, and it is Superboy push, holding the, the car that they got into and uh, soaring into the air with it. Hey, we're taking off like a runaway rocket. It's Superboy, but shouldn't he be overcome with guilt and grief? Guess again, fellas, as he spins the uh, car around in his hand. Ugh, everything's just a blur. I, I think I'm going to be sick. And then he throws the... Uh, um, the car nose first into the ground. There, sorry about the rough landing. You boys are so dizzy you don't know which end is up anyway. Um, Huey B. McKay shows up and says, and to think that slimy rat tricked me into becoming his partner just so he could get at you, Superboy. Mr. McKay, I thought I told you to stay off your feet till I can get you to a doctor. Poppycock, your super fast heart massage put my ticker back on track as soon as you safely deposited me to the ground. Although I'm still amazed how fast your reactions were to disconnect those detonator wires, just as my heart seizure struck. Not to mention the kind of speed it took to whisk me safely away from the explosion and still managed to get my heart beating again. Yes, sir, my boy. Certainly looks like HBO's you won. And I don't need three guesses to figure out how you're going to ask me to express my gratitude. Look at it this way, McKay. You're losing a business venture, but gaining a super friend. Um, and the next day, um, we see... Um, uh, Jonathan reading the Smallville Sentinel, which has the headline, McKay drops Superpark, discovers investor is mobster. Uh, he says, the truth, son? Aren't you just a little disappointed about the way things turned out? That Superpark would have been truly spectacular. The truth, Pa, says Clark. 
No way. Even though it's not very big, somehow Smallville always seems to keep Superboy busy enough, just the way it is. And he practically does a wink into the quote-unquote camera. And uh, the end. Next issue, a double mystery, the secret of the crystal curse. All right, so uh, so there we go. So that one uh, came out in... Let's just do a date check. Cover date was May of 1982. Goodness. All right. So, um, what the heck? I'm going to do it anyway. Um, All right. Dial H for Hero, Christopher King, Victoria Grant. When these two were very, or- when these two ordinary te- teenagers found the mystic dials, they had no idea that when they dialed the le- magic. Uh, wow, wow. Christopher King, Victoria Grant. When these two ordinary. Te- wow. Oh, Mr. Rosakis, you are messing with me. Uh, when these two ordinary teenagers found the mystic dials, they had no idea that when they dialed the letters H-E-R-O, they would be turned into the greatest superheroes of all time. Now you can join them and help our titanic twosome. And um, basically we see... <laughs> well, this one this one does not age well. Uh, you got a superhero who is on... Um, a uh, basically a spinning record album, you know, with uh, speakers and um, and so he's on the album, which should be spinning, in order to make the sounds because he's got the needle there and, uh, but yeah, so he says, get with it, guys and gals. It's sixty eight degrees at thirteen minutes past the hour. Time for the disc jockey to bring you all of those hits of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, whether you want to hear them or not. So settle up back and cozy up as I spin. Love, let me down. And says the disc jockey was created by Tony Medeiros, Montreal, Quebec. Um, and we uh, we end up uh, back down, and there is someone watching TV. And he says, "Love, let me down, made me play the clown." And they're saying, "Hey, since when did John Wayne turn into a singing cowboy?" And another guy's holding a boombox, saying, "What's with this jive music? It's on every station on the box." Land sakes, says another woman. Something's wrong with my hearing aid. Oh, his stuff's getting everywhere. Um, we get end up in uh, in the high school and uh, and remember speech class enunciation is the most important. Love made me worse. I've never known such hurts. Dig that music to learn by. You call that music? Surely you jest, Bradford. Get with it, Glenn, Glinda. This is the sound of the '60s. Love made me burn. When am I gonna learn? Love made me cry. Think I wanna die. <sighs> Thank you for your spontaneous rendition, Mr. Jarman. But tell us, was that Elvis Presley or Tina Turner? Um, I guess I uh, better work on it, Miss Mrs. Roman. Yes, at home. Now, who is that coming in on the school PA system? Love let me down. Love let me down. Love let me down. That was the immortal Bo- Bosley Beasley, and this is the incomparable disc jockey coming to you from high above Fairfax with all my favorite music. That voice, she says, I know who that is. And Vicky says, then get him to turn off the music, Mrs. Roman. Some of us was, would like to learn. Ah, don't be such a brown nose, Vicky. Says, I guess I could, should say I knew him years ago. A student named Lou Yager. Lou's ambition was to be a disc jockey, starting off on Hamilton High's amateur radio station. But I, 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 I want to, to be a d- 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 disc jockey. And, uh, and uh, Mrs. Um, uh, what's her? Whoa! Where's her name again? Mrs. Roman. Yes, she said. I'm sorry, Lewis, but your stuttering makes that impossible. Still, I'm sure we'll find a place for you. Perhaps as one of our technicians. Four years of my speech classes helped Lou overcome his stutter. 
and during that time, he became an excellent radio technician. But evidently, he never did get over being rejected as a disc jockey. And here's another oldie from the Creepos. I want to eat your lunch. And uh, the principal comes in and says, Mrs. Roman, dismiss your class. There doesn't seem to be any way to turn off our speaker system, and there's certainly no way to get anything done with it on. And so shortly as Chris King and Vicky Grant head home from school, I said, wow, look at this mess. You mean listen. And you see uh, every radio, everything that carries sound is picking up this, this music from the disc jockey. And there's a bunch of smashed up cars. And so they, they know what they need to do. So they reach for the dials and they dial. And he says, I become Tarman. Tarman was created by Benny Stillwell of Scottsville, Kentucky. And she says, and I become Miss Hourglass. Miss Hourglass was created by Steve Matson of Portland, Oregon. Whereupon Fairfax's two newest heroes race into action. Uh, there's a delinquent DJ on that flying disc. Spotting him doesn't help us a bit. Neither of us can fly up there to get him. Oh, I should note that uh, this one comes to us. Plot by E. Nelson Bridwell. Dialogue by Bob Rosakis. Pencils by Howard Bender. Inks by Joe Giella. Letters by Todd Klein. Colors, Jerry Serpy. And editor, of course, Julie Schwartz. Um, all right. So you see, again, the guy spinning up on his uh, on his flying record. Get with the beat, Fairfaxers. From now on, you'll be listening to the disc jockey show every afternoon. And uh, Tarman says, not if we can figure out a way to get it canceled first. He says, how about I change the consistency of my body till it becomes like rubber, then bounce up there and turn them off? It's pretty good, huh? She says, except for one thing. That flying disc can move so fast you'd bounce all day and not hit, hit it. But not to worry, that's my power over, where my power over time comes in. I'll speed up time for you, which will make everything else seem to move much more slowly. She says, I gotta, gotta hand it to Vicky. She always comes up with a way to use her powers to our best advantage. Maybe one of these days I won't need so much help in, in the thinking department. At least I don't need any assistance in the brute force department, he says as he lands on the record. He says, hi, hi there, I'm one of the neighbors. Oops, I forgot, I can't talk fast or you won't understand me. Hi there, I'm one of the neighbors. Think you could turn down your music a bit? And he says, huh, where'd you pop up from? He says, would you believe I'm a tar and featherless version of The Flash? Stick with us, gang. I got a visitor in the studio. Meantime, here's the mellow tones of Dee Dee Dancer. And as for you, who invited you to do a guest spot? I was in the area, says Tarman, so I thought I'd drop by. I politely asked you to turn down the music, but since you don't seem inclined to... I'll do it with a little tar to fill the groove. Hey, you can't interrupt my programming like that. I can't, so how come I did? And he says, you got a sharp tongue. Let's see if it's any match for my razor-sharp spindle. And he spins uh, a flying disc at him, and he says, okay, I won't even move a, a tarry muscle. It it, it ju just got stu stuck in him? Hey, pal, says, uh, says Chris, I thought you licked your starting problem. Mind if I pull the spindle out? It tickles. It's yours, though, so I'll throw it back at you. And he says, now nah, you get hurt. Then I get in trouble. That's the problem with this hero business. He says, you bad guys do all sorts of terrible things to us do-gooders, and all we can do is send you to jail. Come on, DJ, where's all the snappy patter? I mean, I've been carrying your show for the last couple of minutes. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, um, this jockey breaks out this uh, cleaning spray, like, like the cleaning stuff you used to have for records. Um it says, actions speak louder than the words. And, and Chris says, I don't like the looks of that cleaner spray stuff. Better sidestep it. Having Vicky speed me up like this certainly was a big help. And, Distrock, and he, so he dodges it. And Distrock, he says, enough, enough. Get off my show. Get, off, get out of my air. He says, ah, oh, come on. Without me, this program is boring. 
And so uh, this jockey punches him. And of course, it's it's like uh, Bear Rabbit and the Tar Baby. He gets his arm stuck. Um, and, he sa- and, uh, and the guy says, Ick, I'm stuck. And Chris says, yeah, that's one of the beauties of my powers. I can change the consistency of my body. Like right now, I turn myself into soft, sticky tar. And he says, ha, this is a good time to play. I'm stuck on you. Now to f- use my free hand to loosen the stuck one, says disc jockey. And he says, yay, both hands are stuck. He says, now that you're my captive audience, I'll finish telling you about the wonders of being Tar Man. You see, not only can I be soft and gooey, I can also become hard as an asphalt highway in, asphalt highway in winter. And you can tell your listeners that's real hard. And he decks them. And says, well, folks, if you're still out there listening, our unfriendly distrocky is experiencing technical difficulties and is about to go off the air. He says, oh, my tarry fist changing back. But how come? My hour isn't nearly over. Oh, see, and Vicky's down on the ground. She says, uh-oh, looks like my scheme to speed up time for Chris has backfired. His hour went by so quickly, his powers faded away before he could finish off the disc jockey. And um, he says, uh, where'd, the, where'd this kid come from? Guess that tar man thought I was all, uh, all through and said to uh, sub to Bob Hop. My first pug punch knocked him so groggy, he didn't see me change. At least my secret identity is safe, as a guy punches him and Chris goes flying, and he says, Even if I'm not, sure hope Miss Hourglass thinks of one way, some way to save me. I'm out of ideas at the moment. Oh my gosh, it, it is uh, time out till next issue, and the disc jockey's final fling. Normally I would just do the other eight-pager, but it's summer. It's summer. I'm going to do another Superboy Chronicle soon. So we, <laughs> I'm totally leaving you on a cliffhanger. Um... Or a record hanger, however you want to look at it. But uh, anyway, so there we go. So that is uh, Superboy number 29. Yes. Yes. Wait. Yes, 29. All right. So just need to make sure. I know I said that before, but uh, you know how it goes. All right. So um, that, uh, that wraps that one up. So comments as always are welcome at Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. You can join in the conversation on our Facebook page, which can be found at Facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. We are on the Twitter, we are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, Legion of Substitute where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble, and we will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>